0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Compass Equip podcast. I'm Pastor Hayden, and I'm joined with Pastor Evan. Hello there. At Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Pastor Evan, we had another standalone uh, sermonette today, depending on which service you were in, maybe a seven-minute sermonette at the nine and a 20-minute sermon at the eleven. Uh, but either way, uh, a sermon entitled Grace Poured Out, a template for sharing an effective testimony from 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. Would you read that for us, Pastor Evan? That was a good title of a sermon, by the way. Praise the
1: Lord. All right, here is the text. 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithfully appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, what
0: was your main point from this morning's sermon? The main focus was this, that an effective testimony emphasizes the work of Christ on behalf of unworthy sinners and includes how God has been working through them ever since. And this is what you see in Paul's uh, own testimony. There is, hey, here's how Paul knew he was a sinner. And here is him emphasizing the mercy and grace of God and, even as he begins his uh, this pericope this, this in verse 12 by saying, here's how God is using me now. That's, that's the really the, uh, the, the template of an effective testimony that you and I can do those same things. And uh, really, it comes out in those three points. You need to prove you knew the cost of sin. You need to know, hey, do you know you were a sinner? I mean, that's how we know we need Jesus. No one can know they need Jesus, at least the Jesus of Scripture, unless they confess that they're sinners. I mean, we see that even in the beatitudes that we have learned about or, uh, over the past couple months previously was you got to know you're broken you got to know you're poor in spirit right you got to recognize that you need a savior and so it's important in a testimony if it's going to be effective to prove you knew the cost of sin and then point number 2 to emphasize Christ's work on your behalf that you need to spend most of the time in your testimony focusing on Christ who he is and what he has done if you want an effective, uh, effective testimony, uh, unfortunately, too many people spend so much time on themselves uh, and it actually cuts away from the effectiveness of a testimony, which often people, they believe, if I just tell them how bad I was, it'll help them see, uh, it'll help them better see the gospel. But it really, it's on the contrary. Everyone knows they're sinners. I should say everyone, right? May, everyone knows that they fall short. Everyone knows that they're not perfect. Now, most people don't want to confess to being a sinner, which is the problem there when it comes to the gospel. Uh, but you don't have to prove how bad you are, to uh, to make your testimony better. Uh, your sin and the goodness of Jesus Christ are going to make that very apparent in the goodness of Christ. So the more time you spend contrary to what you think, uh, the more time you the less time you spend on you, and the more time you spend on the person and work of Christ, the more effective your testimony is going to be. And then finally, an effective testimony is going to like Paul did, share what God is doing in your life now. I mean, we're going to talk about that as we kind of move throughout this podcast, but we got to make sure that we're talking. Here's how the Holy spirit is continually engaging in my life as a redeemed uh, believer.
1: All right. Well, pastor, we had a question from online saying, could you share some verses to study when questioning if you are really saved
0: versus just thinking you have been saved? No, this is, a, this is a great question. Very good question, particularly because, uh, and we said it in the Life Group Leader podcast, but we had the privilege of leading someone to Christ in the uh, auditorium just you know a couple hours ago. Well, you, you did. I yeah, don't take credit for nothing. Well, yeah. Well, the, I saw you from afar. There, there it was. You know, right there. You know, this guy comes and says, uh, uh, comes up to me. He says, I, you know, I'd like to know more about this. I, I and I, I'm not sure if I'm saved. He then confessed he's deceived himself uh, throughout his life and, uh, you know, had this exact question. And uh, had come to real, real, realize after we looked at Scripture and his testimony, up to that point that he knew he was a sinner, but never had trusted in Christ for salvation. And he did in that moment, and it was a, such a praise. Uh, but I mean, I can think of a lot of Scriptures. I mean, Matthew seven's a great place to sit uh, in that. Uh, First John, really the whole letter of First John. I would say the study.
1: Helpful. I would begin studying the whole letter First John, and here's the reason why. the The whole point of First John isn't found in first John 513 it says I write these things to you okay that's the whole letter who believe in the name of the Son of God who say you believe in Jesus aka, I believe I'm Christian that you may know that you have eternal life so hmm. if you want assurance of yep. if, if you have eternal life
0: read first John right first John's good uh, Matthew 13 parable of the sowers is really good. Uh, the book of James is kind of like, if you're not saved, book of James is, you're not going to like it. He's going to whip it's, you. Yeah, and even if you're saved, you're going to have some convic- You're going to have a lot of conviction. I think it,
1: in the book of James, there's a couple passages. James 2, 14 through 26. T- this is actually really good. James 2, 14 through 26. Talking about people who claim to have faith, but which faith is it? Is it saving faith or dead faith? That is an excellent passage from the book mm. of James to study through. That's good. And then um there's one more i think james james chapter oh james chapter 3 verses 13 to 18 talking about what wisdom do you have that is it leading to bitterness and selfish ambition or does it lead to, to peace um and gentleness and so what is the outcome of your life and so it Lead to what wisdom are you submitting to there you go
0: i think those are a good place to start if you are wondering about your own salvation
1: i think i, I think i had one or two more i wrote a lot of them down um oh pardon me everybody i'm sorry oh second corinthians 7 8 through 11 this will describe what repentance looks like Wh- d- the difference of feeling sorrow for my sin and sorrow for my sin mm. and so for example. Peter and Judas both betrayed Jesus, both felt sorry about it. You know that s- Judas actually felt guilty, went back to the Pharisees, said, I can't take this money. I have betrayed an innocent man. That sounds like he's admitting his sin and he seems like he knows he's guilty. And he's a repentant. It seems like he's repenting. Right. But well, why isn't Judas safe? Why? Because he le- it led to death. He hung himself. And so it wasn't a sorrow that led to him submitting to the forgiveness of Christ.
0: It led to his. Right. It was a worldly grief. Mm -hmm. And and that's the point there is a worldly grief. Like he didn't want to surrender to Christ. Uh, He wanted to. He wallowed in his own sin. He. uh, Yeah. And and obviously that was really evident by the way that he ended his life, which, you know, even in in that culture to commit suicide was, I mean, you know, taboo is not even the word for it. It's like I'm guilty, you know. Uh, and I'm not, re- and I'm not repentant.
1: Mm-hmm. So those are some passages to jot down and study. And if you have more questions, if you're part of a life group, get a meeting with your life group leader. Absolutely. And if you, if you're not, get a meeting with uh, one of us. If you're not in a life group, get in a life group.
0: <laughs> but if you're new to our church and you're listening to this, definitely come reach out to a pastor. All
1: right. Well, Pastor Hayne, I wrote down some questions uh, for us based on your sermon. Uh, kind of focusing on point number one, proving that we knew the cost of sin, Here, here's a question. How does understanding our sinfulness help us
0: appreciate what Christ paid for? Yeah, uh, this is why that so often it's the it's the such the sinful people. And, and this doesn't have to be even sinful uh, uh, quantitatively, although it often is. Uh, those who have sinned the most, understand the grace of God the most. Uh, and that's so, that's often so true. It doesn't have to be that way all the time, but often it is. And you see that this is the worst. Understand the grace of God because they understand that there's no reason why I should be forgiven. I sin so much. I have so wronged the people around me. And I have so, in the presence of God, been such uh, an enemy. Uh, and uh, the more you understand your sinfulness, the more you're going to appreciate what Christ has done. This is the same reason why the self-righteous or those... Uh, who 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 thought who think they're really good people often have a problem understanding the grace and mercy of Christ because they're like I'm pretty good you know like I I'm not that bad uh, but it's it's this it's exactly like the account of the uh, tax collector and the Pharisee in the temple uh, and you have the the tax collector who knows that he's a robber and a thief and unjust and he beats his chest and he he says Lord forgive me. Uh, if I'm a sinner. I recognize that I'm I'm wrong. And then you have the self-righteous Pharisee over there. who thinks he's a pretty good guy. Says, you know, thank God that I'm not like that guy. <laughs> you know, it's like wow. That's Luke 18
1: verses 15 to 30,
0: which is there another great go. passage of study. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, th- there's a good example of saying that. That's why uh, understanding your own sinfulness helps you understand and appreciate the grace and mercy of Christ. Well, speaking of uh, Judas,
1: um, remember the woman who. Uh, Anointed Jesus' feet with her tears. Um, Jesus even said this words in Luke seven forty seven, Luke seven verse forty seven. Therefore, I tell you, her, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has forgiven little loves little. Essentially, saying, Yeah, when you really
0: understand your sin, you're gonna say, No, I need to keep. Like, I am, I am a sinful, God. Right, I'm gonna overflow with grace on other people too, right? Who loves much, right? Yeah, exactly. absolutely all right and then
1: point number two emphasizing christ's work on your behalf you know the temptation maybe when we share our testimonies is to make it about us when we're trying to make it about jesus but we spend 45 minutes about our beginning from the where we were born in the hospital to where we are presently so uh, what what temptations do we fall into when we talk about us more than we talk about jesus when sharing our testimony
0: yeah i mean well the the clear easy answer to this is you're going to make your testimony less effective and it's counterintuitive but focusing on yourself e- even if you were the baddest person on the block is going to uh, mitigate the effectiveness of your testimony because you s- you will because you're spending so much time on you are going to spend less time on the person and work of Christ and so your testimony for it to be the most effective you need to spend the most time that you can talking about the work and the person of Christ on your behalf, it's not hard for all of us to grasp the fact that you are a sinner. What is necessary is for you to be able in your testimony to articulate, here's how I knew I was a sinner. The rest of that testimony needs to be about the person and work of Christ and what he's done in your life since. And if you can do that, because people are going to be listening to your testimony and everyone's going to resonate like, oh, he's a sinner. Oh, me too. I get that. I get that. I get that. Okay. Uh, But what they're going to need to know in order to respond to the gospel is who is Jesus and what did he do? And the more time you spend talking about who Jesus is and what he did, the more they're going to be able to grasp and understand, mm, that's the difference. Not him, but Christ. And so, yeah, if you want an effective testimony, you're going to need to emphasize in the, gr- the majority of your testimony the person and work of Christ. Wonderful.
1: And, and one way to do that is to focus on the goal of a testimony. It's to glorify God remembering, I mean, I, I'm trying to exalt God. I'm trying to help the believer to encourage them in their faith, but really trying to help the unbeliever to respond to to the gospel. So it's just remembering that simple fact or I need to glorify God. How, what scriptures can I use that describes my life? You know, I don't understand reality without God. And so I need God and his word to describe what on earth happened in my life and finding passages that really show what did happen and then conveying that to the other person. Right.
0: I always encourage, and I know you do too, Pastor Evan, is to tell people who are giving their testimonies to use Scripture because there's nothing like being able to tie your testimony to the testimony and witness of Scripture. When you can bridge that and say, here's what the Bible says, here was my life, here's how that was absolutely true. right? And that is so helpful because you attach the thing that is you, right, with something that everyone needs to go understand in that scripture so the more scripture you can put in your testimony the, the i think the more effective it's going to be
1: absolutely all right so last question then how can i share my testimony while making sure it's about christ well we had to answer that
0: yeah we did i mean there you go. spend spend the most of your time in, in, in a practical way and the way that we train our people to share their testimony is, is we say hey However much time you spend on your testimony, whether it's five or ten minutes, 60% of that time at least needs to be about what Christ did. But what is your conversion? Who is he? What did he do? How did he apply that to your life? 60% of that needs to be all about who Jesus is and what he did. Wonderful. All right, and then point number three,
1: share what God is doing in your life. Now, why does the work of the Holy Spirit in someone's life bring assurance of salvation?
0: It's, it's, the, it's literally the, uh, the opposite, of the antithesis of, of really that first point. It's like you n- proved that you knew you were a sinner, right? Now, where is the proof that you now know that you're in Christ? And yeah, absolutely, it's the response to the person and work of Christ, right? There, it's, there it is. That's how I know. But how, do I, how does that empirically become evident in my life? It empirically becomes evident in my life. When there is fruit of my salvation. Fruit does not save you. And there is, uh, I don't know anybody who, who has a biblical understanding of the gospel who would ever say that fruit saves you. Uh, but what fruit is, is evidence of genuine salvation. And its this, I, I, I dropped that text in one of the sermons, John 15. You know, uh, abide in me. If you do not abide in me, you can do nothing. But... He who abides in me will bear much fruit. I mean, even this idea of abiding, right? I don't. It's not about doing; it's about being. Well, Jesus says it's about being that will allow you to do things for His glory. So, you, in order to be, when you are a Christian, in order to like to, to abide with Christ, it's going to uh, naturally outflow that you produce fruit. Um, we see that so much throughout Scripture. Uh, even uh, in the in the Sermon on the Mount, we see that quite a bit as we've been studying it. Uh, that one of the, the and and <laughs> well, First John uh, we've talked about already, uh, and and James. Uh, I mean, really, all throughout it, First the Corinthians, Bible, the Bible, First Corinthians, and that's the thing. It's like, man, it's not that we're just pulling out one or two verses here. It's like, you know, you're a new creation. I mean, Ephesians two ten said we are. Uh, we are we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's like, all right, man, how is my life going to be so different after salvation? The Holy Spirit is going to uh, is going to cause you to walk in His ways, in His fruits, and His will, and so yeah, life is going to look so different. But that's the good thing, uh, because as you're walking in faith, it your life is going to be completely different, and so that brings assurance because you you could say like I can, and I know you can, like we just would not be here. I mean, this is not possible to live a life where we are, uh, where the Holy Spirit isn't the driving force, which I do always call everyone, like obey the Lord, like Christian, obey the Lord, because your, your desire to obey the Lord and your ability to obey him is only going to give you assurance of salvation. There are some Christians who live in seasons of disobedience, and you know the thing that costs right there in your life? Assurance. It costs you assurance. There are Christians that are going to listen to this right now. You're not walking in obedience. And the one thing that you think about often is, I just don't know. You know, it's like, well, hey, bud, <laughs> God has given us such a gift of assurance. And that's walking in obedience, because the only way you can continue walking in obedience is if you have the Holy Spirit prompting you and moving you in obedience. And so you know, that's why the Holy Spirit's work I- is important and brings assurance of salvation. And the, the Holy Spirit's work does much more than... Uh, produces good work in you here. I mean, he seals you for redemption. I mean, th- there's a lot more of the, the work of the Holy Spirit that's, uh, that's in the in Scripture as it's applied to our life. Uh, but a really, assurance of salvation is one of those really important works for the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And that's one of the
1: consequences that you're going to see and actually be able to answer in one of your application questions of someone who's made a profession of Christ and not seeing much fruit is one of the consequences is
0: a lack of assurance yeah, you are, right? I mean, at, at, at best, lack of assurance. At worst, a false profession of faith, right? Uh, which neither one of those is somewhere you want to be, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, I mean, that, and that's why in your testimony, you, you should be able to articulate, here's my life is different. You're married. My spouse can tell I'm different in this area. I mean, this is very clearly different. I'm not having to grasp at straws to figure out what's different in my life. It's clear, right, as, as you're sitting in front of me right now. Like, here's who I was. Here's how I am now. I would. Uh, here's the new man, right? Here's my Second Corinthians five seventeen. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All right. Well, Compass,
1: we have a few announcements. Pastor Hayden, what are the announcements that we have for them this week?
0: Yeah. Hey, if you are someone who has recently been saved or need to be baptized because you didn't, uh, you weren't baptized at your at salvation or after salvation at some point in your life, we have another baptism service coming up October the fifteenth. Registrations open. We have about seven spots available. So we would love for you to register, hurry and register for that so your spot doesn't fill up, and uh, we'd love to meet with you and talk to you about your own testimony. As uh, as far Actually, as We're going to have six spots left now after today. Six, spot, six spots left, there you go. Uh, October the 15th, nope, that's the baptism. Men's Fellowship is September the 9th from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. We encourage you to be there, men, from 6th grade all the way up until the Lord calls you home. We want you here at our Men's Fellowship. Always a great time to get together with you guys. And as Pastor Heaven announced uh, this morning, uh, as we're recording this, it's Sunday, we have a, a new web page up on our website called Serving at Compass, and it's an opportunity for you to get back into the saddle of serving if you've stepped out or to be able to serve in, in a different place that matches your gift set. So if that's something you're interested in, we would love for you to go to that that website. That link is right there on the homepage page. Uh, for you to be able to sign up to serve with us here at Compass. All right, church, we, we love you. We're grateful for you. We look forward to seeing you again next week.